On December 9, 1965, CBS aired the made-for-television Christmas special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. It was based on the Peanuts comic strip that had grown in popularity since the 1950s. A Charlie Brown Christmas tried to surf that wave of popularity, but the end result was far from hopeful. Written in just a few weeks, and then produced on a minimal budget in less than six months, A Charlie Brown Christmas was shaping up to be a complete dud. Against the current trend of animated movies, the whole cast was made up of child actors, which at best was a wild card, a gamble in the first place. And then on top of that, the musical score is kind of melancholy, and the main character is basically depressed throughout most of the movie. To top it all off, the show was a, d a direct assault on commercialism, which is a horror to retailers during the busy buying season. And on top of all of that, it quotes from the Bible on national television. Talk about divisive. Even the show's own producer was unhappy with the final product, but CBS aired it anyway, somewhat reluctantly. The only saving grace for CBS was that the original cut originally had Coca-Cola sponsorship within the film, so uh, Coca-Cola was giving CBS a bunch of money to air it. Which is sort of ironic, right, for a show that's largely about anti-commercialism. But it is 2020. And I'm about to preach a Christmas Sunday sermon based on the biblical themes that I see in A Charlie Brown Christmas. How is it that this film still has so much to say? How can it be that a show about a depressed little boy and some narcissistic, self-absorbed friends has won an Emmy, a Peabody Award, and has been shown consistently during the Christmas season for the last 55 years? We've looked at some really fun and thoughtful films over the past few weeks in Advent leading up to Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life, for example, is a cinematic classic with richness and depth, if not some bad theology that we called out and talked about. The movie Elf disarms us with its goofiness and its childlike joy. It's refreshing, and where it does leave us wanting, it points us past human solutions or hokey sentimentality, and it points us toward the transcendent. Both The Grinch Who Stole Christmas and A Muppet Christmas Carol kind of reveal this straightforward, almost preachy message. Like, in a nutshell, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Our hearts are, are won by the hospitality and the grace of God through the hospitality and grace of the characters in these films. But A Charlie Brown Christmas is both more direct and more nuanced than the other films. On the surface, it's just a 25-minute, low-budget children's movie. What could be more benign? But on the other hand, the medium itself is a Trojan horse that sneaks past our defenses and confronts us with some powerful commentary about life. Let's just start with the obvious. A Charlie Brown Christmas unashamedly deals with mental health. At first, we're introduced to the main character before he ever speaks, and he's walking with his friend Linus. He's a kid, but he looks like a distressed middle-aged man with lines around his eyes like he hasn't slept a good night's sleep in a week and like he's carrying deep worries and anxieties on his shoulders. A few moments later, he speaks for the first time in the film, and this is what he says. I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like presents and decorations, but I'm still not happy. I always end up depressed. Can we just pause for a moment and say how profoundly freeing that statement is? 
If we're being honest, I would venture to bet that most of us have felt like Charlie Brown around the holiday season. And some of us might feel that way around every holiday season. In a culture that at least is giving more lip service to mental health lately, it, it, it's an animated cartoon from 1965 that does the best job of normalizing depression in its lead character. Now what follows is a realistic sampling of how our culture responds to depression. So first of all, we have the subtle shaming, right? Charlie Brown has just voiced his honest feelings and, and Linus just says, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns, you're the Charlie Browniest. Now Linus, who does get one of the best lines in the film later on, starts off as a bit of a heel. Instead of listening to his friend and empathizing with him, he seems to say that Charlie Brown ought to feel differently. That he ought to be happy, further enforcing Charlie Brown's distress that he doesn't feel happy, as if he were choosing not to feel happy. Then he tries to make his friend, who already feels isolated and unliked, like notice he, he doesn't get any Christmas cards, he tries to make him feel like he's the only person on the planet who ever gets down around Christmas time. Let me just ask you, and since you're at your home, you can do a show of hands if you like. Is Charlie Brown the only person you know who doesn't always feel happy at Christmas? Yeah, I, I didn't think so. As the show goes on, we're met with other so-called solutions to Charlie, Bra to Charlie Brown's problem. So there's Lucy, who's a pop psychologist, who's more interested in gaining a nickel than really helping people with their problems. She represents our tendency to want to gain power over things by naming them. So rather than listening and walking in relationship to Charlie Brown, she always is trying to identify his phobia, his fear. Not necessarily so she can help him, but so that she can label him. We do this all the time with the fad of personality tests that's out there lately. We get our Myers-Briggs letters or our Enneagram number, and then we give each other labels. You're a one or a six or an eight or an ISTJ or whatever it is. Personality tests are not designed to tell you who you are. They're designed to reveal your tendencies and how you most typically interpret the world. And the point is to take that information and to work on our blind spots and to grow in our strengths so that we can become more whole and healthy. But far too often, we take our label and then we claim we can't change and then we get stuck in our ways. Lucy offers about as much help to Charlie Brown as a mechanic who charges you to tell you why your car's broken, but then doesn't offer to help fix it in any way, shape, or form. Lucy's the Dr. Phil or the Dear Abby of the world who offers cliches and advice rather than transformation or good, competent care from a, a decent counselor. Lucy represents two more solutions in our, in our popular culture as well. She says that Charlie Brown needs involvement, and sometimes involvement can be really good, really helpful when we're feeling down. But as any medical practitioner knows, Offering a prescription without really listening to the patient or understanding their problem could be considered malpractice. What Lucy seems to be offering is the worldly gift of busyness. If you just stay busy and distracted, you won't have time to feel down. That is, until you get by yourself, which is most evenings and mornings, right? And in the end, 
you have not dealt with your problem at all. You've just stayed busy. Finally, Lucy tries the good old technique of trying to sympathize with Charlie Brown by offering her own story of depression, which turns out is not at all the same thing he's experiencing. Her feeling down every Christmas is not the existential crisis that Charlie Brown is going through. It's disappointment that she doesn't get what she wants for Christmas. And what is that? Well, real estate, of course. Then there's retail therapy represented in Sally's letter to Santa, where she asks for cash, particularly 10s and 20s, please, and Snoopy the dog, who's entered a Christmas decorating competition. These collective scenes of Charlie Brown's friends remind me of Job's friends from the Bible. Job is suffering, and all they do is patronize him by either telling him it's not that bad or by blaming him for his own misfortune. Or I'm reminded of Kohelet, the writer of Ecclesiastes. He's unhappy in life, and he tries all that the world has to offer, fame, and riches, and sex, and power, and leisure, and hard labor, and in the end he finds it all meaningless, like chasing after shadows, like trying to grasp wisps of smoke. And that's about the substance of the world's promises to help us feel better. So how can a Charlie Brown Christmas film rightly form us who are trying to follow Jesus? Well, I think it helps us deal with our depression and anxieties first by normalizing those feelings, by representing them in a main character. And before I go any farther, I want to be explicit in saying that there is a wide range of depression and anxiety experienced by lots of different people. It it, it ranges from a general unrest to, on the other side, being just debilitating depression that sometimes manifests itself with feelings of suicide or self-harm. And I just want to say right now that if you're feeling extremely debilitated, that form of depression, if you're having trouble just functioning day to day, I encourage you to make a plan. Like, right now, reach out. Because of COVID, this sermon is pre-recorded, and that means two things. One, you can pause me whenever you want. You could pause right now and reach out to someone right now. And it also means that I'm not really preaching this sermon as you're listening to it in this moment. So if you don't know who to call, you can get a hold of me. And I'll walk with you and point you towards some resources that can really help. Now, for those of you who aren't feeling that extreme depression or anxiety, but you might be feeling down or disappointed or just off, right, during the holiday season... I think this film is helpful in the sense that it openly names depression. It deals with truth. We identify with the main character. And all of this is biblical in the sense that the Bible and faith in God includes being real with our emotions. Nearly a third of all the Psalms are lament Psalms. They give voice to the disappointment and despair of the psalmists who have very real struggles with with faith and with hope and with belief. We have a whole book called Lamentations, literally about lamenting, and that gives voice to our own suffering. The story of Elijah and the prophets includes a scene in the wilderness where he's depressed and suicidal. See, the scriptures don't shrink away from mental illness like much of the cultural cues we get from uh, from our society suggests that we do. 
Even the Christmas stories, the Gospels, they give voice to, to fears and anxiety. You know, we often think of Christmas as a joyous time, and, and rightly so. After all, the God of the universe came to rescue us. I mean, that's worth all the hallelujahs. But if you read the stories, you'll see Mary and Joseph bearing the weight of angelic vis visions. I mean, were they going crazy? Were they having delusions? Mary and Joseph are, are then working through relational trauma. Was there infidelity? What will the community think? Is our marriage going to end before it even begins? Then you've got Elizabeth and Zechariah who have suffered into their old age from infertility. They're shepherds who are on the margins of society, who lived complete lives being uh, second or third class citizens. There's magi who were esteemed in their own country, but once they got to Israel were uh, held in suspicion by the Jewish people. And then Jesus' own family are refugees for, uh, for almost two years in Egypt before they're allowed to return to Palestine. It's in the stress and the darkness and the hardship of these very real characters that Jesus was born. I say all of that because it is normal and natural to feel down sometimes. And our faith encourages us to be honest with our emotions. Our scriptures give us words and prayers and permission to cry and to be angry and to feel sometimes faithless. So Charlie Brown is on solid scriptural ground when it's open and honest with suffering and mental anguish. Our faith in Jesus has room to let our ailments out in the open without fear that we're somehow disqualified or inferior. But there's a third point I want to make about Charlie Brown's openness with mental health. And again, I want to give the caveat that I am not talking about clinical depression or crippling anxiety here in this third point. And here, here it is. Here's the third point. I think Charlie Brown's dis-ease over Christmas is a hidden grace. I mean, what is he confused about? Let, let's reflect on that for a minute. He's confused that people say Christmas is a joyful season, but he doesn't feel happy. He doesn't feel joyful. He's confused about the meaning of Christmas because what he sees are people going a thousand miles an hour decorating and buying and doing and being greedy and being mean to him. And then it hit me. A Charlie Brown Christmas is a parable. This sneaky little kids movie is a convicting parable. You know, Jesus told parables to people all the time in the Gospels. Parables are these stories that seem like they're about something else, but when you really think about them, they make you compare your life with, with whatever's going on in the story. So there's the thing about truth and conviction, right? Like if you're doing something wrong and somebody says, hey, I think you're kind of being a greedy person. You should be more generous. Or, excuse me, I think you're sort of insecure and that's why you're so hard on other people, especially to those closest to you. You know, what is your reaction going to be if someone just says that to you? Well, I know for me, I'm probably going to feel defensive and argumentative, and I'm going to want to make excuses. And Jesus knows that. And so when he's talking to people, he would tell stories like, the word of God is like a seed that fell on different soil. Some was rocky and some was hard. And in some, there were shoots that came up, but then weeds, the cares of the world, choked them out. And some fell on fertile ground, 
where it produced quite a harvest. Now, a story about seeds and soil doesn't seem like anything, right? You walk away from a teaching like that, and then you start to think to yourself, how am I receiving the word of God? Dang, I'm letting my busyness choke out my life with Jesus. Or darn, I've neglected the roots of my faith and I'm feeling dry and lifeless. I need Jesus. See, the film is a parable of sorts because even though Charlie Brown is the depressed kid and the sort of wah-wah Debbie Downer of the bunch, you've got to ask yourself, are these normal kids really that healthy? Don't we all laugh at Lucy and her therapy stand because she's ridiculous, so she's over-the-top greedy? And don't we realize that her desire for real estate at Christmas time is about as over-the-top as those commercials where the couple gives each other new luxury cars for Christmas? I mean, come on. And Sally, Charlie Brown's little sister, wants cash from Santa. Isn't it Sally who comes off looking bad for asking Santa for cash, and particularly in 10s and 20s? Or look how the kids treat Charlie Brown. They, they turn on him and, and, and cut him down in public all the time. Charlie Brown might feel out of sorts and be having a hard time understanding the meaning of Christmas because the other characters who claim to have figured it out are so far from anything we would want to emulate. And then we begin to see ourselves in those other characters. And as soon as we do that, the parable has begun to do its work in us. We're convicted maybe by our own busyness or greed or failure to have patience with other people who are just being honest about their depression or their feelings rather than hiding it like the world wants us to do. And in the end, the scene is set for the true meaning of Christmas. Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So what is the true meaning of Christmas? It's that we're screwed up. That some are depressed and some are greedy and some are running from facing their own sin and pain by staying overly busy, and then some are really sneaky about that by helping people so it looks like they're super holy, some are hiding their fear by seeking power, whatever it is, whoever you are, Jesus came for you. That's what Christmas is about. And the medium is the message. If this film is known for anything, like when you think Charlie Brown Christmas, what do you think? Charlie Brown Christmas tree, right? That little pathetic sprig of dried evergreen becomes the focal point around which the children can see past themselves and can come together without the masks of meanness or superiority or guile or reservation. The tree is nothing to look at, nothing to exert our pride over. It's so pathetic that we can all be ourselves around it and just receive it for what it is. That's God as a baby. 
You know, in scripture, the prophets who encounter God in these weird visions and stuff, they can't even stand in his presence. The idea of God makes people feel inadequate and insecure. And that's why he humbled himself. That's why the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is the Charlie Brown Christmas tree of all theology. No matter who you are, you don't have to pretend around him. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to put on a mask or a false front. You don't have to be smart or fully understand or have all your doubts satisfied. You merely have to receive his love and trust him. He's overcome the world. Won't you let him overcome you? That's what Christmas is all about.